Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I am Jason. And I am John. And we are still here despite the results of this weekend because, good Lord, did that suck. It was a tough one. You know, you predicted you predicted that uh, we would get swept in the last podcast. I know, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. <laughs> I did. I didn't think it was going to be I like mean, that either. And I, in I really my did. head, I thought we were going to lose two close games. I didn't think we were going to get shellacked the way we did. You know, th- this is a tough one, and and as the as the season keeps going, and I, I texted you guys some of this stuff because I like to to analyze record wise where UNO's at. You know, number one, we've we've only played four games this season. You know, we're 13, eight and one overall, but we've only, excuse me, four games on the road this season. We've only played four games away from Baxter arena this season, going into this North Dakota series. We played at Denver and we played at Colorado college and we did well in both of those series. So you're thinking, you know, this is, this is our first trip up to grand forks this year. We were competitive with them at Baxter arena a few weeks ago. You're thinking, we're going to be solid going in. We're, we're a good team. We're highly ranked in the country. And it just, it, it kind of reminded me of some of the team Maverick teams from like a couple years ago where they just, you felt like they were facing far too much firepower, far too much talent, and things just weren't coming together. They weren't getting any sustained pressure in the offensive zone. Um, it was you know, a tough I thought, one. I thought we did really, really good in that first period of Friday night. Right. Like after that, I'm like, you know, we're, we're down, but we've got this, like we're hanging with them. We've had opportunities. We've controlled play. We were out shooting them. I really felt like we were in it and we had a chance at that point in time. And I can't say in the five periods of hockey that follow that one, that I ever thought that we were evenly matched with North Dakota again, you know? Right. And I think that there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, why that might have, have been the case. But I think moving forward, you look at this and you say, North Dakota is just a better team. Right. It doesn't mean we can't beat them, especially when you start talking about playoff format where it's one and done. You should we meet North Dakota again? Like, I think if you can keep playing the way that you played the first period, they have a chance. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and you look at that first period and you think maybe if they'd gotten a, a shot to go down or something and they'd been able to tie up the game going into the second, it might have had a different complexion the rest of the way. It's just awfully, it's a, it's just kind of an odd conundrum. Like I said, we haven't gotten to see this team play on the road much this year just because it's a it's a screwy year and weird things are going and, on and we had the pod that was all at baxter and so and i would it, say that this is the first time this year that i really felt like we were playing i don't know i want to say a strong opponent but it's not like the teams that we played you know we played duluth and stuff it's not like they're a weak team right. we played st cloud it's not like they're a weak team right right it's just this was this was a different level, right? Yeah. This, this I think, is clearly a North Dakota team that is the top team in the conference. And any team that's top in NCHC, you've got to make a strong case for them being a top team in the country. So it's it was just, I don't know that we were familiar with a team and a setup where they could come at us every shift this way. Yeah. Because I don't think that Denver sits on this caliber. I don't think that Duluth, as good as they are, can roll four lines the way North Dakota's rolling four lines right now. Yeah, and and North Dakota's so good. I mean, I I think their their win streak at Ralph Engelstad Arena, if I recall correctly, going into this series was twenty two and one uh, over the last two seasons, and the only loss was against you know UNO last season up there. So they play awfully well at Ralph Engelstad Arena, and. 
Um, you know, obviously they got two more wins this weekend against us, but it's a, it's a tough place to go in and play. A lot of times, you know, over the years when we've snuck up on them, it's it's happened like right after the first of the year. But like you said, it's just it it they seemed like a team that just sort of came at us in waves. It was like you you never really got a you you never got a break against them. It felt like it was just this kind of relentless pressure. And uh, I think you make a good point in that statement that in the past we've snuck up on them. And I think yep. you can make that case for us and a lot of teams is that we snuck sure. up on them. They didn't think that Omaha is going to be a good team. They didn't prepare well and we squeaked out a win. Yep. You know, and the number of times that we'd split a lot of times, it was, it was interesting to see us, you know, win on a Friday and then just get toasted on a, a Saturday because <laughs> they went, Oh wait, <laughs> this team's talented enough to beat us. We actually have to, right. You know, we actually have to play this year. I think it's different because I think this year that teams realized after you, not even after halfway through the pod, I think that the teams that had played us had said, um, this team's for real. This yep. is a very talented Mavericks team. Uh, you know, we may not have the pedigree that North Dakota has, and we don't certainly have the program success that these teams in the conference have, but this is a team that I would say can beat any team in the NCHC any night. And I would argue that UNO has the talent uh, and the process and the desire if they, if they want it to beat probably any team in the country right the question is just going to come down are you willing as coach puts it are you willing to put in the work are you willing to do the things that you need to do to realize the success that you want and as a fan it's out of my hands you know i can cheer them on i can support them i can do everything that i i can do but ultimately it comes down to these guys looking at their game and saying we trust the coaching staff and the systems that right. they're running and we trust ourselves and playing a little bit loose. I thought they were a little bit tight. Yep. Um, their awareness was off. The, I think the story for Friday night was that we came out loose and ready. And then once that goal came in, it was just screen after screen after screen. And I, I yep. didn't feel like Seville really saw saw the game the way that he's used to seeing the game. And it I don't know if it was because of the way that North Dakota was shifting stuff, but it seemed like we set screens more than North Dakota set screens. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think, it, as you said, and, and this was a really good point, it's ultimately up to them. And playing a, a disciplined 60 minutes of hockey and not – not letting yourself get rattled when North Dakota fires one, <laughs> fires one in from the point. <laughs> and right. it, it seems to go through two guys and, you know, banks in there over, you know, Isaiah Seville's shoulder or Austin Roden's shoulder. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. And it's, it's, it's just incredibly difficult to talk about these guys. Kinds of games because I, you know, it, it, trying to figure out what went wrong, especially in a hockey game, it, it's just hard to know. It's just that North Dakota is a really, really good team. And I think when you look at the teams that we played, and you mentioned this a few moments ago, when you look at the teams that we've played in the NCHC this season, we've played some really good teams, but I don't think any of them have the depth that North Dakota does. I don't think any of them have the firepower that that team does or the, the, uh, you know, a lot of them have good goaltenders, but I, I just say the the defensive play is really good on the team. The offensive play is certainly good. And and look, we're a fast team, and we're able to run up the up and up and down the ice with them. But uh, but in in North Dakota, we've kind of met our match. You know, they they are a, they are the real deal. They're a terrific team. Bradbury has them going well, and so so. But I was hopeful, even after Friday night, Jason. I was hopeful that we would that we would be able to turn it around on Saturday night. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know that I shared that because <laughs> I knew you knew that they were going to go into that night's game knowing that a win. And then they get likely, the cup. They get, a win they get, and they get the cup. 
they get the Penrose Cup. And obviously, right. when you have Josh Fenton in the building, and that was one of the things that may have provided a little bit, a little bit more of a, 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 a boost for that team, a little bit more motivation. Obviously, UNO has secured a top four finish in the conference. So right now, when they're playing, they're just playing for positioning in the NCHC playoffs. And this is a new position for UNO because normally they've been on the outside of the top half of the conference looking in as the season has worn along over the course of the last couple seasons. So this is a new position for them to be in. So the question is, how do you maintain that motivation? Well, I think UNO going into the weekend was technically still in the running to win the when the Penrose, <laughs> we rattle off a few wins there and keep North Dakota from getting points and some other things happen, but I, yeah, I wasn't, kind of I wasn't, those, I wasn't like, thinking that way at all, but you I know what I'm saying? Mathematically, we're in it, but realistically speaking, I mean, when you look at what it would have to mean, it mean St. Cloud Duluth has to split and we have to win right. four in a row against North Dakota, three of which, which are on the road at North Dakota. So it's like, yeah, technically... Boy, wouldn't that? But you, you you would know that we had fully turned the corner at that point, and were, you know, it was all speed ahead up the street, but uh, but not quite, not quite. I mean, no, and, and that's okay. That's okay. What I think is unfortunate is that we we went from mathematically having a chance, albeit unrealistic, to being in the first spot to now after the pair of losses the best we can do is finish third. Okay. Because St. Cloud and Duluth play each other, which means somebody's going to get, even points. if they, even if they split. Well, the question yeah, is what, what if both games were ties and one or the other of the teams got two they'd points have to, instead of the, they'd three have to points. split with two, but that'd still put, that would put St. Cloud at 45. So if we win both, that would move us to 46. So that's the only way where we can get into second, right? Is in order for us to get into second, we have to win both games, one at home, one on the road against North Dakota. And Duluth and St. Cloud have to go to overtime both nights. Okay. And one night Duluth wins and one night St. Cloud wins. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's make so that is the only way it happens right because if they split if there's any sort of regulation finish with either of those teams it it puts us out of it well and that's interesting so if we had gotten a split this weekend which i thought we were going to do going into the series that would create a completely different dynamic going into these final two games Right, because yeah. we'd still have anything in play at that point. I mean, we wouldn't have first in play because North Dakota would have, they would be out of reach of us at least, but they no. wouldn't have the Pemrose Cup and we would still have a, you know, a realistic shot at finding a way to the second position because at that point in time, we would be sitting in third right now. We would be ahead of Duluth and we'd only be, what, two points back of St. Cloud. Yeah. So that 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 so, definitely would be a different dynamic. Uh, you know, getting that number two seed would really change the kind of the composition of the NCHC playoffs. Looking at how things are right, right now, so that, that that and we've talked we talked in the I think the last podcast I think is when we talked about the the playoff format and kind of how that's set up. Yeah, the change to being you know one and done in that instead of this first round being yep. you know a best of three and how that changes things. So that's the other thing to kind of look at right now. Like Denver's in a driver's seat because they have they still have four games remaining all against Colorado College. So there's a good chance that they're going to come away with, you know, a few victories. Whereas right. Western Michigan, which points-wise sits in fifth right now, you know, they only have two games against Miami. So Denver's looking at saying three of four and we've got ourselves a fifth seed which I think mathematically is probably the most likely thing to happen is, is that you end up your bottom four ends up Denver, Western Michigan, Colorado college, Miami. That's I think mathematically just not playing games and, and playing numbers. That's where I expect things are going to fall out. So now when you're looking at it, like two, three, four is the difference between, do you have to have a first round series in North Dakota with everything on the line against Denver, yeah. who just always seems to have UNO's number. Right. Or if you're in third, now you're getting Western Michigan, which 
Western Michigan in the pod, I would have said, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've been really good this last, the second half of the season. They've right. really turned it around. They're kind of a hot team. I don't know that. I think I'd rather see Western Michigan over Denver, but it's hard to say that. And then you look at going, Hey, if we're in second, we get Scarra college again, <laughs> which we know what we can do with. I, I'm going to, I, I think North Dakota, Miami is pretty much a done deal, but I've just, I'm nervous about Western Michigan because a, a, a certain player with local ties, you know, having a career game, <laughs> having a career course, game right? against us. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but you're right. I mean, that's the tough thing. I mean, I don't know. I would prefer to have Western over Denver, as you say, but boy, I don't know. I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not keen on either of those teams, especially in a one game type of thing. Cause any of those teams, really any of the teams in the conference can put things together for one night. Right. And have a good solid outing and, and completely change oh. the dynamic. So, Yeah. Going forward, my hope is is that St. Cloud's the better team, proves that they're a better a team, um, sweeps Duluth so that we don't have to find a way, and we just find a way to get a couple points. <laughs> yeah. Find a way to get a win against North Dakota one of the two nights, and you know that would put us into third. We would get Western Michigan, I would assume. Um, you know, that's there's always that weird thing though. You know, Denver stinks up the place against Kara College in their homes and homes and suddenly Denver's in sixth and now we're in third going with Denver <laughs> still. So that's your that's your that's your consolation. That yeah, would be your, our luck, that's your right? Prize, like, your prize for finishing in third place. We find One a way highest we finishes split in the years. last two. Yeah. Yeah, we split the last two with North Dakota. We're all excited because we got third place in the conference. You know, when most people <laughs> picked us as a, a five six seed right yeah so we're all like thinking hot stuff and we look at the schedule and it's like oh yeah denver lost three out of four to Kara college and <laughs> so now we get denver i'm like oh boy yeah yeah you just don't know what'll happen and and uh i don't know it should be exciting <laughs> but yeah yeah so as, as we as we digress a little bit and talk about the uh playoffs after yeah, our... yeah we look a little too far forward so back to the task at hand final yeah. score uh four to one on friday night the lone goal for uno comes from tyler weiss who continues his strong play um i surprised at the number of people that were texting me on friday and saturday being like this is the this is the weiss kid you were talking about two years ago i'm like eh, yeah like yeah, this is we, what I told you. Like yeah, we've been we've been seeing better, him this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the guy that you said. Oh, he's a. I, I remember last year someone was like, I can't believe he's a draft pick for the Avalanche. I'm like, yeah, you haven't seen him play yet because he's got hands and he's got some good vision. And I think he's you know especially that line with Ward yeah. and Primo. I mean, he's. He sees it like he sees them really, really well. He knows their game really well. That line has been our best line night after night after night for most of the season since it's been together. I know we started without Ward on that line. Um, and I think when coach put that together, it was just it was clear that that's that line needs to stay together. Right. Uh, and yeah. we started to find some more. I thought uh, Bremer had a good game, too. Yeah. Again, still coming off of. You know his good weekend last weekend. Um, he seems to have found a place with uh, Conley that yep. seems to work really, really well. Yeah. So, so a few bright spots on Friday. Just yeah. unfortunately, not enough of them. Um, UNO. They were in penalty trouble too. That was the other thing. I think both nights that that really just killed them was you can't take the number of penalties against a team like North Dakota that you took. I mean, you and took survive. seven on Friday. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're just, I know you've got a good power, a penalty kill, but this is North Dakota. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just can't keep doing that. You, and you, I think yeah. Saturday's was the worst. I mean, just Saturday was like the number, what was it? Two of the goals that came in like the first, like it seemed like the first face off of their power play. It's like, Yep, well, that one's in the back of our net now, so 
Yeah, and that and that that game as far as penalties was statistically significant. Jason, I can't remember what Bridget said. Something to the effect of, was it like our most penalized performance since like twenty? You remember the last couple seasons we've had we've had problems with penalties. We've kind of been like yeah. I, I I equate it to the, you know, Oakland Raiders back in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. You know, we were kind of like the Oakland Raiders of college hockey, and and we kind of slipped back into that habit. And you're absolutely right. You can't give a man advantage or more or two man advantage to a team like North Dakota and survive despite how good the penalty killing unit is. Because again, yeah, a lot of times when you look at the conference and you look at the teams that we played this season and the fact that we played six games against a team like Colorado College, yeah, you could survive some of those situations against a team like CC. You're not going to survive that against a team like North Dakota for very long. You're just not, they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to make you pay. So, so that's, that was a problematic area for him. I, I think part of it, you know, it's obvious was frustration on the part of the team. And, and we saw certain things kind of bubble to the surface as the, the series progressed. So, yeah. Well, to, for those that didn't see it, <laughs> Saturday night, UNO had 18 penalties for 63 minutes. <laughs> I remind you, it's a 60-minute hockey game. <laughs> now, with that said, the bulk of those come at 1901. <laughs> I think, was it eight? Was it eight? I'm trying to remember one, two. It was. I just uh, counted it. 18. It was 18. I was like, 18 (laughs) penalties between the two teams, all at 1901. That was crazy. (laughs) It was. Like, it reminded me of the old, like, we used to go to CHL game. It was a Central Hockey League. Yeah. I mean, it was like lower than lower. I mean, it was basically glorified beer league hockey. But I used to joke that. Going to those games was you went to a 20 minute hockey game because the first period was a hockey game. They tried to score, they skated, you saw some talent, you know, some good hits, and it was what you would expect from a hockey game. Right. Periods two and three were essentially the ice capades, but for boxing. Okay. I mean, it was just like every face off someone was fighting, and I'm like, you just. I mean, come on, like, just play the game already. Like, it was so annoying, but this was just, and I think, I mean, what started it was the cross check that uh, North Dakota threw on the face off against, wasn't it Abate that was taking that face off? Uh, I think Pretty so. Pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. And of course, you know, Abate is not going to stand for that, nor should he, because that was just, and I don't, quite honestly, like, I didn't see the ref's hands up. So I don't think until Abate went after him, I didn't think they were calling the cross check on the face off. They were just going to let it go. But Abate went after him and melee ensues. I mean, it was just, yeah, <laughs> it was just cross checkings, roughings. The, the one part that worries me is, is that, well, North, one North Dakota player and one UNO player, Pro cop for UNO. Yep. And Gabe uh, Bass for North Dakota. Was it Bass that got he yep. gets the other yep. fighting? Yeah. So fighting should be automatic suspension for the next game. Yeah. So and I don't know what the I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to if the league's gonna look at anything. Um even some of the stuff that wasn't called, because there were some headshots that North Dakota threw that did not get called. And I'm sure that they won't go back and look at them because they weren't called penalties. And that's been, you know, the NCHC's thing is, is if the refs in the rink don't see it as a, a problem, we typically don't go back and look at it. Right. Um, obviously, it happens every once in a while, but I just don't expect much from them. Um, but I don't know what they'll, I don't know what they'll do if they're going to, um, toss anything else at either of the the teams, especially considering 
they're playing each other. Right. And I think that's going to be the one thing is, is whoever we have as referees come Friday night when, when the teams come back to Baxter and play here in Omaha, you've got to expect that your leash will be very short. Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think there's going to be call- a lot of, they'll be calling the game tight tickets. for sure. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. At least in that first period, just to send the message that, you know, all that, all that stuff that happened at the end of the last game is not going to happen in this game. So I'm going to call you for every little thing and we're going to play that. So that should help us in theory, you know, skate faster, move the puck more, know that if the refs are going to call every little thing, don't clutch and grab and don't reach right. and let North Dakota do that. And, you know, hopefully we get some power plays out of it, you know, early on and maybe we can find ourselves with a couple goal lead at the end of the first. Right. Um, but if that if they don't do that, then who knows? This could get <laughs> it could really get ugly. ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could get really ugly really quick. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I mean, uh... there was what three? I think three unsportsmanlike conduct. Oh yeah, I'm just saying this. This is like the list just like never ends as I'm sitting here and looking at it on the box score. I mean, it's just roughing, roughing, fighting, yeah. roughing, 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 disqualification, roughing. Well, I can say even before that, there was, yeah, you know, yeah. Bass even... and Randall had the the offsettings for unsportsmanlike conduct. Ness gets roughing and unsportsmanlike conduct. In, yeah, it, you know, it, it, in and a double minor. And a little bit before that, you know, at 1859, you had, you know, Bremer got called for holding Conley for unsportsmanlike conduct. And then just, it was just, Boom, 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 boom. It was just so, it was just like 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 just like an avalanche of ugh. I have to ask you on that one because I do not remember them saying anything about Conley getting an uns- a, a misconduct penalty. And I think it was just because Yeah, there was the just only, uh, no, the only one uh, on the board was Bremer's holding. No. It was just it, it was I didn't notice that either. And it was just and obviously this was at a point in the game. I don't know what were we down by? Were we down what? We were down were we down so, that, so we were that we? that was all they'd scored all seven goals at that point yeah yeah i mean at that point i'm just you know i just sort of mentally checked out and then all of a sudden like my i perked up and then just like everything fell apart no so i didn't i didn't remember that either and there was too much to process because i you know i i was i was worried they were gonna have to you know get a construction crew there and build a you know bigger box for everybody <laughs> That was that was well, that was headed in there, you know. I told the girls here, I'm like, there's a minute left. Like everyone that you're giving penalties to <laughs> is just going to the locker room. Yeah. Well, except for North Dakota players because they're yep. gonna come back on the ice in a couple of seconds. But yep. yeah, the UNO players and stuff, like your night's <laughs> over. You're not gonna leave them in there. It was just figuring out, like they had gone to the review and stuff to say, all right, we've got to figure out who are we giving what penalty to. Are they getting anything more? Because, and that's the part that kind of frustrates me is, is that I don't remember who Abate was in it. Well, it must've been, um, Bast, right? That, was it Bast that, that, uh, Abate was, oh no, it wasn't Abate that got the fighting. It was Prokop. Yep. So Prokop and Bast. Yep. Um, but whoever Abate was in with that got the cross check eventually, (laughs) he's the one that ripped the helmet off which should have been a misconduct on its own, but didn't get called. And I still don't know how they don't call that when they go into that, because he clearly grabs the face mask and rips his helmet off <laughs> while they're in a tussle. So they go to the review board and they couldn't even figure it all out. Boy, I bet it felt good for Abate to get back in there after being out the last couple, couple, ga- <laughs> couple few games with, uh, for COVID restrictions. So Yeah. It's uh yeah quite a quite a, uh, some quite a lot of fireworks to end to end a tough series for UNO at North Dakota but I mean it was kind of entertaining at the end quite honestly if it was I mean considering how the game had went at least at least we had something entertaining to watch there at the end but but you're always nervous because you don't like to see those uh those situ those situations arise especially down the stretch and especially as we were just talking about with points on the line and potential seating on the line going forward. So, so, uh, you know, you want to have a full complement of players going into next weekend, but, but emotions run high emotions, emotions run high in a series like this. And between these two teams, which I know they're not natural rivals and I don't know if they'll ever 
develop that real rivalry. But I'll tell you, if UNO ever gets really, really good and is up there at the top of the conference fighting for a top spot, it could it could become a, a an even more interesting series uh, than it's become if, if, if there's parity between these two teams going forward. Especially if it, there's any sort of um, ongoing relationship here. Like, if yep. this is a one-and-done year where, where UNO is a top-four team and then next right. year, you know, we're back to being five, six, seven seed type of thing. Right. That's different. But if for a few years, if UNO's, you know, in the last two weeks of a season got a chance at a top spot and North yep. Dakota's, you know, you expect is going to be in there every year. You know, if every year these this last game, because they're always our last series, right? If that starts meaning a lot, yep. you know, if, if we get into a year or two where whoever wins this last series wins the pen takes home the cup yeah like you're gonna seriously start getting a lot more of this yeah that'll be it that'll be really really fun really exciting god that'd be a great place for the program to be so fingers crossed that that happens because yeah because that'd be a that'd be a blast but uh but anyway not the way we wanted the series to go but i'm not you know i'm not worried we talked going into the season about how uno needed to take advantage of the opportunities that they had beat the teams that they knew that they could beat and so far this season, they've done that. You know, uh, North Dakota's a good team. Tough to tough to have a series go that way. Tough to have that score differential in both games, but uh, but I'm hopeful that they'll rebound this week. So, so let's talk players of the weekend. I kind of <laughs> tipped my uh, <laughs> tipped my hat a little bit because I think I mentioned the guys that were on my list. There can't be very many of them after a seven one four one loss, but. Uh, I'm going to go first this week so that you don't okay. steal the easy one, and I'm going to say Weiss. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, we were talking about, you were talking about how people had texted you about how this was the player. This was the player that Jason was talking about. And, uh, you know, what I would say is he's 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 gotten, his game has evolved. He's gotten better. He's got a little bit more size. He's still a small guy, but he's got a little bit more size. And I think one of the big things is he's gotten away from doing all the like the cutesy stuff, you know what I mean? He's not, you know, trying to dangle NCHC defensemen, you know, in our offensive zone and try to do, it kind of, remind, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a, a player in the, the the first year of the UNO hockey program, Andrew Tortorella, who was a small guy who just had, you know, wicked moves on the ice um, and could make uh, defensemen look like idiots. Um, his game has evolved. It's become a more controlled game. It's become a more disciplined game. And I just think that's really what's paying dividends right now. And he's constantly, his awareness out there, he constantly seems to know where the puck is. And he also seems to know where his teammates are. And that's a, that's a, that's a big issue, whether it's, you know, being able to, to sense that a rebound's coming and pop that thing in or get the puck where it needs to go to one of his teammates. That's really how his game has has evolved. He's just, it's better self-awareness on the ice. I think early on, especially that first year with him, yep. Yep. like he tried to, he tried to make moves and plays yep. that set him up for something. Yep. And now it seems like when he does make a move or, you know, puts the puck through a defenseman, you know, makes him look kind of silly and stuff. When he does that, it's not necessarily to set himself up as right. it is to kind of open up a lane or open up an opportunity for, for one of his teammates. And yep, less you know, selfish it's nice play. to see him get yep. goals, but he really is that proverbial setup artist. And I think he's starting to realize like that's that's where I excel and I can do more of that. And we've given him two guys on that line that are perfectly willing and capable and able to finish anything that he starts. And yep. so now he's starting to kind of just, you know, take control, control the puck more too. Um, you know, some of his moves and stuff were a lot of times putting the puck to space and then trying to get there. And, you know, the defensemen are big. They're going to, they're going to play the body. They're not going to, you know, try to rub you off. So um it's it's playing into his style, I think, a lot more this year than we've seen uh, in previous years. So it's a nice thing. So I took the easy one. I got Weiss. You get to 
think hard now. <laughs> I don't know who I'm picking. I have no idea. Didn't I pick Bremer? What, when when did I pick? I, I picked Bremer last week for getting the hat trick, didn't I? I'm not going to pick him two weeks. Oh, you're probably right, yeah. Yeah, I picked the easy players last week. <laughs> I know. Pick the easy like the guy last, last two week. weeks. The last you picked two the easy weeks. guy. That's why I took him this time. I'm it's I'm tired of winter, Jason. I just I need vitamin D. I don't have a lot of brain power. <laughs> so yeah, I just I've jumped in there and picked the easy one. And look, I would I, I you know, I I would go with the guy who scored our first goal Saturday, Kevin Conley. But then that thing bounced off his chest. Isn't that isn't that the one? Didn't Proctor fire that thing in? Proctor fired it, and there was a lot of debate as to whether or not it was Proctor or Conley on the um, broadcast. And I guess the official score sheet says Conley. I it looked like I don't Proctor know that I agree here. with that, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think it flying, you know, ricocheting off your chest. If that's what it did, is no. So let's let's but, give it to let's give it to a defenseman. Let's give it to Kirby Proctor this weekend. There you go. Because Kirby Proctor's been one of our, I mean, he's been a, the last two seasons, he's been a, a really pleasant story for UNO on the blue line. Uh, he's one of those defensemen that uh, has the ability to, you know, put the puck where it needs to be. And he may not have a chance to get it next weekend. So He may not have a chance to get it next weekend. No, this is, this is incredible. You took the one guy. You took that... That beautiful goal in the second from Weiss, which that's what, if I, if I, if before Jason like edged his way in there, that's who I was going to pick. Cause I'm like, <laughs> just taking the easy one, but I'll go with, I'll go with Kirby Proctor on the weekend. Kirby Proctor is one of those guys that I just, I like watching him play. Um, seems like a really good guy, really good head on his shoulders. He was one of the recruits that I was excited about. Uh, two seasons ago, I did profiles of all of our incoming recruits as they sign letters of intent. I've gotten completely lazy and I haven't done that, but Proctor was one of the guys, uh, played his junior hockey at Des Moines in the USHL. And so I've been impressed with him all season. And that was a, that was a great shot to take. And again, we were talking about that last week, just wind up fire and see what goes in. And, and that's what it did. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he had that goal, but, uh, but, uh, it apparently, banked off of Conley's chest and uh, went in the net. So we'll go with a, uh, we'll go with a uh, Proctor on the, on the season. And one of the great sophomore class on this team. And they've, you know, we've talked a lot about how important they have been to the team this season. And so let's, we're going to take a little bit of a, I, I'm going to, change up our our routine here a little bit okay. normally we'd have this like oddball segment here before we talk about the next games and i think we should talk about the upcoming games first and then have that lead into a conclusion statement about kind of beyond this season the future of of the mavs and, and what the team looks like in the future so uh so up next north dakota yeah are again. we just yeah are we just are I'm assuming since we just have one game this upcoming weekend, we're just doing the one game. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we, this is it. So if you don't know, because of COVID and trying to plan out the season and home and homes and everything that they were dealing with and wanting to have a buffer as a way to kind of move games around the NCHC for UNO and North Dakota um, are split this weekend. So they will play here in Omaha on Friday, right? Right. And then the following week, we'll go up to North Dakota and play up there. And then the week after that, we'll go up to North Dakota and play in the tournament. So so two games against North Dakota, but separated by a full week. So we will be back next weekend talking about one single game that you attend at Baxter and I yes. sit at home and watch. The final home game of the season. And I'm... I'm pretty excited to go see it. One of the things that I would say is, you know, you look at UNO this season, and obviously because we hosted the pod, UNO's logged a lot of playing time in Baxter Arena. You know, we played 24 total games this regular season. When all is said and done after this Friday's game against North Dakota, we will have gotten to play 17 games in Baxter Arena. 
And I know what people are going to say. People are out there saying, but John, those those early games in December were technically designated neutral site games, and sometimes UNO had to sit on the other team's bench and you know, hang out in a locker room that was not their locker room, wear their road jerseys, and to that I say, but they were still playing at Baxter Arena. So UNO has done well at home this season, and they need to continue that. This is their final home game. I look ahead and... I think the big thing that we've talked about looking at the team over the last few seasons, well, the last several seasons, is how they kind of seem to slide in the last month or so of the season. And not that it negates all of the good work that was done early on in the season, but you'd like to see them finish strong. No matter how the games go, you want to see a strong finish. And and looking at that series uh, that we're talking about this weekend, uh, it took place up in Grand Forks. That did not seem to be the strongest hockey that they played this season. So hopefully they'll get back on track, back to form, and hopefully they'll get a get a win. It's much easier to pick this, Jason, because I can just pick, are they going to win? Are they going to lose? Are they going to tie? I'm going to say that we are going to win. Don't forget, there's always the COVID option. There's a, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if stuff gets canceled because of COVID... At this point, we're doomed. We're in trouble. I, I, I'm going to say I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fairly close back and forth game. I'm, I'm going to predict since we're not predicting uh, an entire series. I'm going to say that we win four to three. We win late. And I think that uh, that would be a that would be a great way to finish up the home season. And I really like to just get another win against these guys going into the going into the NCHC Frozen Face Off and whatever happens beyond. I know that there are fans out there, and this drives me nuts every year because every year fans are like, you know, I they get on Twitter and Facebook and they're like, you know, I think we only need to win one more game to make the NCAA tournament. I'm like. This year, you can't tell anything. The pairwise is completely pointless because there's no interconference play. There's a a six-person human being committee made up of coaches in college hockey that are going to have an influence on that. I don't know what's going to happen. I At this point, I, I assume UNO is going to make the NCAA tournament. But, but just a word of warning, let's not make any predictions yet because I think sometimes that can get into the mindset because these players don't live in a bubble. These players are on the internet and stuff. Let's, let's just encourage them to play strong and play hard and, and let's not worry about, cause I mean, Jason and I could sit, you know, we could, I mean, I could sit here and say, you know, we only need to win, you know, two periods out of the next six periods. And Isaiah Seville needs to have, you know, three or four, you know, hellacious saves and that'll be enough in the mind of the committee to make the tournament get a good seat. I don't know that that's going to happen. So let's just let's just focus on what we can control at a team and trying to get a win this weekend would be good. Anything beyond that it's 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 really hard to know at this point. We just don't want the team to start sliding here in the next 3 games. Yeah, I think with it not being a mathematical format and there being right. a human element to it you can't take anything for granted. You can't say, oh, we're top four, therefore, you know, we're getting in. I think if, personally, I think if UNO loses two in a row and doesn't, you know, loses three in a row, let's say. Right, right. So they don't get a win in the, the conference tournament. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that they make it in. Yeah, and I, my only, my concern, Jason, is I know that the NCHC, some of those, the, uh, that all of our teams have played more games than some of the other, but you look at like, a team like Boston University, which hasn't even played as many total games as UNO has played, you know, games at Baxter Arena this season. It's there's so many variables and those Eastern teams are going to be like, well, we couldn't play, but we had no choice that we couldn't play in, in certain instances. So there's just going to be a lot of weirdness that goes on. And I yeah. I, I would rather not leave anything to chance. So the, the best that they can do, but the better. And I think you're absolutely right on that. You know, you just, you got to keep winning. You've got to be careful. And, and, uh, it's too hard to predict in jockey, especially when you're not basing it on math. So yes, continue. Right. I'm sorry. I, I, I so I will, I think the same thing. I think that UNO is going to win. Uh, I'm going to say four to two. I okay. don't think, I think it'll be a close game. 
but I think that we play better at home. I think that we need a we need to loosen up. I think those games in North Dakota showed that, you know, we're not especially the first period Friday night, you know, we're not outclassed. You got a chance at this and and the guys will, you know, be, come out with something to prove and play like they've got nothing to lose and that's that's the way we need to play is just wide open, don't worry about it. Just just trust your system, trust what you're doing and go out and have fun. And so I think being back home will help. I think so, so too. And I and I would add to that, Jason, I think, you know, now that North Dakota's Locked up the Penrose. They've locked up first place in the conference. We know that if they make the NCAA tournament, they're gonna they're gonna be the host school in Grand Forks. I mean, if they wanna if they wanna rest some of their starters this weekend in that lone game against UNO, I wouldn't have a problem with that. So North Dakota, if you're listening and you wanna rest up some of those guys like Kawaguchi and Weatherby and and the like. <laughs> Like go 90% ahead. of their roster, yeah. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Sure. You know, you don't want them getting injured before the postseason for sure. So, yeah, yeah do what you need to do. <laughs> and, There's and always you know, that chance when you're playing a team like, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, closing out against Kyra College yep. that's at the, you know, the basement or anything like this. Yep. Like, this is a team that has something to play for. Yep. You know, UNO certainly has more to play for than North Dakota. So that has to factor in when you're – you know, it does. The head coach of North Dakota is, yep. hey, these these guys are going to go all out, and we don't have a reason to go all out. We don't need to beef up our pairwise points right. to ensure that we get a good, you know, a good regional. We don't right. have to, you know, we've already won the cup. Right, we can't go anywhere but first. We're like we're done and set, right? Yeah. And so the last thing you want is to head into your your conference tournament you know, without, you know, a top scorer or a goaltender. And I mean, that's the crazy thing is like, it's not even the play of UNO that could do it. It could just be, you know, your top goaltender goes down to make a save and yep. pulls a groin and they're out for three months. Yes, definitely food for thought for North Dakota and add the, you know, shenanigans at the end of the yeah. Saturday game up in North Dakota, who knows what could happen. So why risk it, North Dakota? If you want to leave yeah. some of those guys uh, back in Grand Forks, go right ahead and do it. Yeah. You've got this thing sewn up. No need to take any unnecessary risks the next two games. Just put the equipment manager in net. I mean, I'm sure yeah. he's played goal once or twice in his life. He'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure he's got some eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be senior night for UNO. This will be the last home game. Yeah. But there's, I think, as we were talking about in text, John and I were talking about in text kind of heading into this, uh, there's something that I that we feel like we needed to make you kind of aware of as far as um, how COVID has affected the future plans for some of, of these athletes. And the NCAA has come out and said that for winter sports, um, their eligibility will be extended uh, without the need for appeal. And as we understand it, what that means is, is that uh, the current seniors will have the option, should they choose, uh, to return to their teams and play one more year. Um, now, I've reached out and asked questions of some of the people that I know uh, to kind of get clarification. And I would say that, number one, it doesn't seem like they're really set on what you know, how far this extends and what this looks like. Right. Um, but the prevailing thought that I'm getting from the people I talk to is, is that uh, this will be extended to what is essentially the current juniors and seniors. So the, uh, the likes of our current juniors that we would expect would have the season and next would actually have the season next and one more. And uh, the current seniors that we would have been celebrating and expecting graduation and, and not seeing again on, in a Maverick uniform, um, will have the option should they choose to come back. So I think it would be interesting to kind of go through and talk about who our seniors are and what what we think they might do. And then as far as the juniors are concerned, I think you just got to kind of see what the NCAA decides to do because yeah, because we're we're, change. we're not quite sure at that point, and it creates a lot of a lot of interesting issues for the team going forward as far as 
recruits that are sitting out there in juniors or even in the high school ranks that you're thinking about bringing in the next couple of years, how does that impact a team like UNO, a team that really is young and doesn't have a particularly big senior class? And I and I had mentioned the reason Jason and I talked about this was I was watching uh, the the St. Cloud State Colorado College game on Saturday afternoon, and it was their senior day, and Brett Larson. Uh, the head coach of St. Cloud was interviewed after the game and they asked him about the seniors and he said, well, you know, some of these guys may be coming back next year. And that's a, there's a lot of key players in their senior class. And it's going to be really fascinating to see who they bring back from that class, if anybody. And so looking at ours, Jason, I don't know who you look at when you look at our seniors, we've got really four seniors. I mean, Jordan Clare is a, a grad student at this point. I, I don't think he's coming back, but you look at, Nate Konepke, Kevin Conley, and Martin Sundberg, all three key players in the lineup. Do you think any of those players would come back? Do you think any of them would want to come back? Do you think the coaches would want any of those guys to come back? What do you think is going to I happen? Think, I I think the first one would be Conley. Barring something crazy, I don't... He's not a draft pick he he doesn't have an nhl club that he's going to be able to kind of transition to and i think he's the type of guy that that sees value in his role and has really embraced this season i would love to see him come back and you know if he wants to keep playing hockey i don't know i mean there's a chance he gets on with uh you know echl maybe AHL team somewhere, but there's a lot of unknowns at that next level. You talked about the kids coming up into yeah. college hockey, but you also have to then like, look at what is that outfeed for them too? Because if, if the NHL follows through on rumors where they're talking about not having a draft this year and having two drafts next year, because scouts haven't had the opportunity to really look and see at, uh, the younger players and the, and the kids in college because, you know, some college kids aren't playing. Some other leagues across the pond uh, in Europe are not playing. Uh, you know, Canadian leagues were shut down for most of the year, if not all of the year. So there's been limited opportunities for them to really kind of evaluate players. And they're concerned about, you know, what a draft looks like when you don't really, you know, when you're basing your draft roster off of 2019, 2018, 2019 yeah. play instead of 2019, 2020 or 2020, 2021. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think it worries them to say, you know, what, what are we drafting and, and, and what kind of growth could, could someone have or fall off if they haven't played, you know, how well have they done about keeping their game up if their league's out. So I, I see a lot of concern at yeah. that level with that. And so if they don't have a draft, it's either going to go one of two ways, either the AHL leagues, these, these lower leagues, AHL, ECHL that are feeder systems for the NHL, right. Are going to be in a position where they have to go the reins with what they have. Right. And they're just going to say, this is, this is the team that we've got. These are the players that are out there. We're just going to go with this for, for another season and we'll be fine. Um, the other option is, is that they might be shopping for guys like Conley yep. that don't have a place to go that could fill out a roster. You know, you don't, you don't look at them as someone who's going to make an NHL club long-term, but they're solid players uh, that will do a really good job for you and, and can kind of fill in where you need, where you have holes and gaps. Right. Right. And so you I don't at, know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at I'll, these. Yeah. I mean, Jason, sorry to interrupt you, but you, no. I mean, you look at this and every year there are certain players that are kind of antsy to, to leave the team, move on to the next level. Like you said, whether they're a player who has had pro interest, has had NHL interest, they'll try They'll try to get on with a, an ECHL-type team and uh, continue to play hockey. And obviously that's their dream is to move to the next level. I Whether they have a particularly long career is something to be said, but we you know, we follow and we track all these guys that are you know bumping around the, the minor leagues out there. Um, so maybe some of these guys are just like, you know what, I'm done with school. I'm ready to move on with life. Tired of, you know, dealing with academics and I, and I want to move right. forward. There may be some players though, as, 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 uh, we will talk about who might feel like they could improve 
they can improve their stock a little bit with some of these clubs, players who weren't necessarily drafted, but players who are like, if I can work on my game, improve my pedigree, have a breakthrough season, then maybe I can get on with an AHL club after next season. And that's where I think Sunberg sits. Yep, I I would agree with that. I worry about him, you know, being from Sweden, is he homesick and does he want to go back there or something? So that worries me a little bit. But with him, he's the classic, um, I think, example of what you were saying with, you know, here's a here's a kid who might just have been given a gift. Right. You had a good season. The guys, you know, the scouts and stuff will look at it saying, hey, you know, every blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. So, you know, we're going to write off a good season. Uh, because everything with COVID and yada, 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 right? Like laundry list of excuses as to why they don't want to give him credit for this year. Um, and he comes back and does as good or better next year. Yep. With the same club, with a good opportunity, guys you know and like and, and have built relationships with. You have another good outing, and now you've got two years solid performance to say, I'm developing, I'm growing into this. Just give me a chance and let me show you that I can do this. And, you know, maybe he he ends up at one of those ECHL teams with an AHL bump and he can see, you know, maybe some playing time at the AHL. And then you never know what happens. You know, I've seen plenty of guys that have gotten an opportunity on an AHL club and have just stayed, you know, and they yep. were in no names. No one had ever heard of them. No one knew who they were, but they found a role. They put in the work and they, and they got it done. And, and yeah, and you look at I, you, I could see him yeah. in that position. You look at a former Mav, uh, one of my all time favorites, uh, uh, Jeff Hogan, who was a guy who was not a not a not a drafted player. Who, you know, he, he had a, a few appearances in the in the NHL, but he he made a career out of the AHL. Um, player for a team like the Grand Rapids Griffins. He uh, he had a really really good solid career there and. Uh, and the assistant there was actually a UNO assistant. Uh, Dave Noel Bernier was actually uh, on the coaching staff of uh, the team while he was there. So you're absolutely right. And and the, the big question is how many recruits are they planning to bring in next year? And I can't tell. They've got, you know, you look at like elite prospects. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of players listed as potentials for next year. But when you only have four roster spots opening up. You know, in a normal year, if you if you figure all of our seniors would leave, then you ask yourself the question, you know, are they planning to bring any of those guys in? Are they going to let them play juniors one more year? Would that are be they eligible to play juniors one more year? Yeah. Yeah. I don't they know. may not even have eligibility. They may have to move up. And depending on their have, age. Like, yeah. Depending on their yeah. age, you, you have a limit as to how long you can play. So and what are they going to do? You know, they're looking yep. at this saying, okay, well, I want to go play for Omaha, but they, they're not going to have a spot for me. And right. so maybe I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go sign on with Western Michigan or Miami or, you know, go play, yep. I don't know, Merrimack or something, you know, like yep. if I don't have a spot there, do I really want to go and put in all that work to get, you know, a handful of games as a freshman? And do I even get a, you know, Will it even be a sophomore campaign for me? Do I just put in a handful of games as a freshman, take my dues, learn my stuff year one, and then get an opportunity? But, you know, looking at the juniors and stuff, they've got to be asking themselves, what does this look like? And hopefully the NCAA comes out and and clarifies their position as far as are these juniors going to get an extra year as well? Because I think that's going to play into a lot of these kids' decisions on whether or not they want to take the step to college and which college they go to. Just looking at, you know, where can I get playing time? Every hockey player wants to play. They don't want to be on a team and just sit on the bench or sit up in the stands and watch the game. Right. Yeah, you look at a guy like Johnny Tyconic who transferred here, and it was about, it was honestly, it was about playing time. Playing time, yeah. Yeah. He wanted to play a, a more vital role on a team, and that's why he ended up in Omaha. And so, I don't know. It's it's just, it's a it's a bizarre situation right now, something we weren't thinking about having to deal with. And I... I don't know. I mean, I would, I'll be honest with you. I would love to see Kevin Conley and I'd love to see Martin Sundberg come back. Look, if this team comes back basically intact for another season, that would be very, very exciting. And honestly, I'd enjoy having Nate Konepke back too. I don't want to you know, leave anybody out of that. But the question is, do they want to move on? And is it better for the UNO team in the long term to get some of those young players in? Because you look at some of those guys like Joaquim LeMay, who's a highly touted defenseman coming out of Quebec. Um, would he be ready to come in this season? I don't know. Uh, he'd be 
uh, looks like he'd be an 18, 19 year old, or they want him playing in juniors longer. I don't know. You look at some of these other players that we've been following for a number of years, like Cam Berg, for example. I don't know. I Tyler Rollwagon's a guy who came out of uh, Shattuck St. Mary's that I've been following. Uh, he's doing really well in the USHL this year. He might be an exciting forward that you'd like to get in there. But when you look at all of the successful players on the roster, you look at the depth, you look at the large sophomore and junior classes you have, Maybe you want those guys to stay in juniors another year if they can, but it's 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 always it's a nerve wracking thing if you don't have those guys, uh, and and have a letter of intent in hand, they could bolt and they could go somewhere else, as Jason says. You know, they they a lot of these guys are are ready to go. They don't want to wait, and and I, it's a it's an interesting chess game for the coaching staff. And I think the other thing that throws a wrench into what your plans are that you just have to kind of say, you know the the cookies fall where they are, right? The right. We'll see how it plays out, but you know what happens with these kids that are NHL draft picks. You know, yep. if I'm an NHL team and I've got an AHL squad and I'm having to fill it out, you have to ask yourself, do I just bring in one of these guys that I've already got in the system to fill out my roster? Yep. You know, so do we end up keeping Conley and Sunberg, but we lose Weiss? Because sure. Colorado says, you know, we feel like your development will do better at this point in Loveland with the Eagles than it will, you know, back at college for another year. I don't know if they'll say that, but I'm just saying, like, what, well, you know, what about that? Uh, and Vegas, I, and I was, Vegas and I was, with their goaltending situation and the the fee that they have, the 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 challenges that they have, and and that with with what they're doing at the NHL level and and their AHL stuff is just kind of. It's it's dicey at best. I would not be surprised if they look at their HL squad and say, you know what, we need a goaltender. I don't want to go out on the open market and find someone. We're not trading for someone. You know, we're not trading for a goaltender. We're going to put in the AHL. You know, teams don't, yep. don't typically do that. So hey, let's sign us. You know, let's sign Seville. We'll bring him over. You know, he can run. You know. Uh, 60 40 split so he plays 40 percent of the games in, in our hl club for a year and and we'll let him we'll start his development that way yep i that would not surprise me in the least if if that kind of happened specifically with seville um but also you know tyconic and and weiss i think are two yeah that you, it's very possible you know since they are juniors that that it's just time the the teams just say hey let's let's bring them in i think Seville's probably the one I think that most hap- most likely happens to. Then we, I think, Taconic just just because of the NHL club that he's attached to. That's yeah. that's just what I look at and, and say. I don't know if that'll happen, but it could. And and where does that? How does that change you? You know, now you're down a goaltender. You know, is Roden your number one? Do we have someone coming in? Yeah. No. It's a. It's it's an interesting situation, an interesting scenario. And and speaking of Weiss, since you and I talk about him a lot on this. Uh, a lot on this podcast. I was, you know, we were talking about him a couple of weeks ago and I was looking up uh, some of the stuff when he was drafted in kind of the early years to kind of see how that game has evolved. But one of the things that I, you know, when he got drafted by the Avalanche, he wasn't expecting to get drafted by the Avalanche, but it was, it was pretty, he was, maybe he had no expectations. He was hoping obviously to get drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes since he's a He's from North Carolina. But one of the interesting things yeah. was he said he said the Avalanche have me on a three-year plan. So as you mentioned, this is his third year at UNO. You have no idea what will happen. The other factor that I, you know, just popped into my head is as we were talking here was with COVID and everything's going on and and limited fan attendance at some of these venues or no fan attendance, you you wonder too what kind of money they they necessarily want to spend on bringing players in is it is it like a normal season where they're willing to take a chance and give contracts to some of these you know potential diamond in a rough players or this year are they going to you know tighten the purse strings a little bit and not do that as much so that's potentially a factor as well you know there 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 may not be the opportunities for some of the some of the the kind of unconventional players that aren't draft picks so so it's just a fascinating thing it will be fascinating to see as the as the next few weeks progress because as the as the season draws draws to an end we'll probably hear more about this uh, going forward and it should be very very interesting and i'm sure we'll talk about it uh, again before uh, next season commences 
yeah, it'll we'll see how it all shakes out. But we just wanted to make sure that we had that conversation that. for people that kind of want, you know, I don't know what they'll say come senior night. What we'll see, what you guys will see while you're there, and what we'll see on TV. But uh, you know, that we figured that would be a question for a lot of people: is is where are these kids going next? And this seemed like the best time to kind of shine. <laughs> a very small amount of light on that situation. Yes, before senior night happens this uh, Friday night at Baxter Arena. Well, until next time, until we get to talk about next weekend's game, it should be a short podcast next week, right? Yeah, there's only one, one game. Right? One, one game to talk about. There'll be nothing else to talk about at that point. Until next time, be sure to follow Matt Puck on Twitter, Facebook, etc. You can follow Jason on Twitter, too, if you want to. You don't want to. Oh, we don't want to, so I won't give you Jason's Twitter <laughs> handle, but maybe I'll tag him. You can't. Tag I him. don't care. You can't. I'll, I'll tag him this week. I'll tag him this week in the podcast post on uh, on the Map Puck Twitter. So if you if you choose to follow Jason, uh, Jason, you can. But uh, but looking forward to this last game at Baxter Arena. Should be exciting. I wish you uh, and Jolene and the girls were there. Uh, and I understand why you guys aren't coming this season, but uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to spend time at games with you guys uh, next fall. So... Until next time, until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs.